Welcome to the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, where we tell Alaskans what to put in their box at Alaska's comic book shop. I always wished I could do something better than comics, but there didn't seem to be anything. This is the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, and now your hosts, Lou and Amy Joe. Hey guys, it is Lou here from Aegis Comics of Alaska, Alaska's comic book shop. And welcome to this segment of Heroes Without Capes. And uh, you guys probably, I hope, listened to the origin story with uh, um, my buddy Ed and why I chose to go into law enforcement, into the military uh, before I started the shop and why I ultimately uh, ended my career with uh, the Alaska State Troopers. I'm going to be filling in some of those gaps, some of those mysteries in this episode here. And before we start, though, if you'd like to support uh, this this channel, this podcast, uh, please feel free to check us out on Patreon at uh, Aegis Comics of Alaska. That's patreon.com at Aegis Comics of Alaska. You can also visit our website, AegisComicsAlaska.com. That's AegisComicsAlaska.com. There's merch available there. There's all kinds of items that uh, when you make a purchase, it goes to supporting the shop and supporting this mission of putting out the truth and creating a positive environment for our community. So what am I talking about today? I'm talking about, uh, in particular, lawsuit that we had against the state. Now... Unfortunately, we didn't prevail, so uh, I want to explain what happened and why we filed a lawsuit in the first place, how it's affected my family, how it's affected our business, and uh, uh, the reason why uh, we took the risk that we took taking on the state. So, as you, you know, with comic books, let's let's look at the, 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 the comic book relationship. You know, uh, when you look at Peter Parker... Peter Parker gets bit by a radioactive spider, all of a sudden has all these powers. What would have happened if with those powers, Peter Parker decided not to fight crime, not to help his community, but instead to stay at home? Uh, To not listen to that last warning from Uncle Ben that told him, with great power comes great responsibility. So... um, we look at that. We look at what if Clark can't, what if Kal-El, when he landed in Kansas, uh, listened to his dad and decided to just keep things on the DL and never let anyone know that he had these super abilities and stayed on that farm the rest of his life. What would that have done to that community, to that, uh, you know, when we look at these characters that have affected you know these fictional characters that have affected our 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 society. You know they uh, there's not many places on the planet that don't know who Spider-Man or Superman are. Can you imagine if the creators of those characters would have chosen not to let them uh, find their 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 potential and to take those risks? And uh, my biggest regret, like I've told you before, was not having the courage to fight for Ed. And I promised myself that that would never, ever happen again. I was going to hold lazy, corrupt cops accountable. It's a small percentage of them. It's not a large percentage of cops. But unfortunately, you do find that in every agency, including the Department of Public Safety in Alaska. You know... um, when we filed the lawsuit, um, it was with the understanding that we had to hold people accountable for corruption. Um, prior to that, I mean, I had been the chairman of the Alaska Police Standards Council, which is essentially the conscience of law enforcement in the state of Alaska. I was the acting chairman. I was the vice chairman. I was the first Puerto Rican ever to hold that position. I was the first uh, Puerto Rican of the rank of sergeant to even be on the council. And uh, I was appointed on the council uh, by 
then uh, Governor Parnell, and then I was confirmed by the legislature. I was then reappointed on the council by uh, uh, Governor Walker, once again reconfirmed by the legislature, and I felt that even with the obstacles that I faced in my agency, that I was still doing the right thing, uh, promoting a, a reminder that the reason that we have the powers and authority that we have as law enforcement is to help the community, not to help ourselves. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the players in my story were people that were mentored by bad, bad managers. I, I can't uh, call them leaders because they demonstrated absolutely no characteristics of a leader. So uh, one of the people that uh, came into play was uh, Chung Chan. So Chung uh, is uh, originally from Singapore. He was uh, one of our corporals at the academy when we were at the academy. Um, as I got to know him over the years, I realized that this was a person who had been a victim of bullying. Uh, you know, he spoke with a very strong accent. Uh, he had to compensate for that, uh, and he had to compensate for what he perceived as his weaknesses. And uh, unfortunately, when people are bullied, and I've been bullied before, uh, you have a choice. You can become a monster. You can become that which you have fought to fight, or you can become an advocate for those that are bullied and become better, become stronger. Uh, and you don't have to step on people to... Uh, uh, to be a better person. Unfortunately, Chung was uh, mentored by uh, uh, a guy that we all know, uh, uh, Dennis Casanovas. And Casanovas was, uh, he ended up retiring as a major uh, from the Alaska State Troopers as a deputy director. Uh, they on, on the streets, he was known as Dennis the Menace. And it wasn't like that reputation was for crime fighting. Uh, he was the the biggest advocate of the I gotcha of the uh, the poorest form of leadership, which is to make other people look bad so that you look better. And he really uh, uh, he really just uh, promoted to all of his protégés that gathering information about the weaknesses of others and then publicizing those weaknesses at commanders' meetings, uh, in emails to all of the commanders, uh, the fellow uh, management staff, which is supposed to be the leadership staff of the Department of Public Safety, by airing everyone's shortcomings, he would look like a flawless person. And he would look as the competent one. What he didn't realize is that people like myself who were military veterans that actually served under real leaders that sacrificed day in and day out to teach us what leaders were to help us to be better people, we saw right through that. We saw what he was. We saw what he was teaching. And unfortunately, you get people like Chung that, as the saying goes, drank the Kool-Aid and decided to follow in his footsteps and instead of uh, promoting uh, good behavior, he did everything he could to make everyone else look bad in his perception so that he could promote and look more competent. And I mean, it got to the point that he even changed his identity. Uh, right now, he demands, and for several years, he demands that everyone refer to him as kid. And that is a, an Americanized nickname that uh, he wants people to call him by because he is so ashamed of his, of his culture because he was taught by bullies that his culture was something that he should be embarrassed of, that his, uh, his uh, lacking of the, uh, or his shortcomings in the English language were his weakness, when in fact... Our cultural strengths are our abilities to speak more than one language. And so uh, 
if you call, if you refer to him as Chung, he gets pretty upset. And that's his birth name. But he gets upset because he literally walked away from that. He sold out and he was taught by people like Dennis and others that this is the way you promote. I remember when I was the recruiter at the Department of Public Safety and uh, I was the acting lieutenant and I showed up to a couple of these commanders meetings. A commander's meeting is where all of the commanders and deputy commanders, all the senior supervisors that are supposed to help the Department of Public Safety move forward and protect the citizens of Alaska. It's supposed to be a meeting where everyone builds each other up. Hey, I see you need help at your detachment. Let me send some help. Hey, you need a new vehicle. I have a spare vehicle at my detachment. I'm going to send that to you to help you out. It was nothing like that. I sat at those those two meetings, I believe it was, and all I watched was what essentially looked like Game of Thrones. It was guys making each other look bad, making each other feel bad about each other, uh, airing stuff that didn't need to be aired uh, in order to uh, denigrate one another so that one looked better than the other. And the master, the black belt of all of that was uh, Dennis the Menace. And unfortunately, I mean, that's his legacy. And let's talk a little bit about that real quick. Uh, if you're wondering why the Department of Public Safety in particular never advances, it's because your directors historically and your commanders, they are only focused on what their legacy is going to be. They could give a rat's ass about the betterment of the agency as a whole or the uh, protection of the community. It's all about the numbers, and it's all about uh, people seeing their mark on the agency. Now, when they realize that they're not going to be able to change much with that type of management style, they typically, their only legacy is changing the decals or logos on the side of the vehicles, or changing the, uh, the core values of, of the department, making things so confusing. You know, there was three core values. It was, uh, uh, you know, uh, what the hell was it? Because they've, they've changed them so many times. It was, uh, I believe it was uh, loyalty, courage, and devotion to duty, I think. Uh, it's been so long, and they've changed them so many times. There's like five or six of them now, if not more. Uh, and every commissioner, every director tries to change them. So, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the Coast Guard, it was just three core values. Honor, respect, devotion to duty. That's it. That's it. It's been the same since uh, 1790. It's easy to understand, easy to follow. Uh, it's something that you can uh, teach to your direct reports, to develop your future leaders, simple. And, you know, for those of you that know me, know that I am a Coast Guard veteran. So, how did we lose the lawsuit? Well, let me explain a couple of things. Uh, what had happened that started this whole thing was I had reported uh, two former directors now uh, for sexual misconduct. And, you know... I'll be damned if someone is going to commit those types of acts right in front of my face, making the uniform that I swore by, the oath that I swore by, null and void. Because I understood, like many other good troopers and good law enforcement officers understood, that that uniform means something. That uniform, that badge, is the reminder to the community that there is someone out there that is willing to lay their life on the line to protect them. And this type of misconduct, which I reported to then at, uh, at the time it was uh, Deputy Commissioner uh, Comer, who is probably one of the most corrupt people I've ever met, uh, there's so many things that uh, uh, we, we could speak about him. And I'm just, I'm, I, I feel ashamed even mentioning his name now because he shouldn't get any credit for anything. That guy uh, was lowest of the low. But back to, I hold these guys accountable. 
I report the misconduct. Unfortunately, uh, and uh, the names of these people were, uh, it was uh, at the time they were commanders. It was Hans Brinke and Barry Wilson. I reported them for sexual misconduct. Unfortunately, uh, the the way the department works, it, it, you know, they it's all about uh, protecting those that they perceive will help their career later. So, uh, you know, one of the people that I reported this to was a uh, 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 who is now a director Barlow. Uh, Brian Barlow, who I actually love this guy, but uh, and uh, same with uh, uh, Jeff Laughlin. Jeff Laughlin is a hero. Jeff Laughlin is a man who, uh, I mean, he survived being shot in uh, Southeast Alaska. He's a survivor, uh, former Marine, just like uh, uh, Brian Barlow. Uh, these are people that I admire, I looked up to. Even though I was older than them, but uh, I, I admire, looked up to. Unfortunately, I think they got to the point where they were just burnt out. They got into survival mode. It 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 seems to be the trend that as soon as in that particular department, when you promote to the rank of lieutenant, uh, and you go to those commanders meetings and you see people like Dennis the Menace and his type of uh, corrupt mentoring. I think it just weighs on them. And then after a while, they realize that they're fighting a losing battle because they come from organizations where it's a united front. In the military, you get your unit together and you move forward and accomplish the mission. You do it as a unit, as a team. But when you show up to to one of these commanders' conferences and you realize that it's all dog-eat-dog, there's no unity, it's literally game of thrones real life where your ally today could be the guy that stabs you in the back tomorrow just so that they can take your position or take that promotion from you i think it just burnt them out and uh they never followed through um they fell victim to people like Brittany patsky who uh i'll be showing you a couple of things about her here in a sec she was the uh hr uh essentially hr supervisor uh human resources supervisor for the department of public safety probably one of the most corrupt employees in the state uh and uh i I mean uh just a toxic individual uh her husband is not far from it uh he's probably one of the most hated supervisors in anchorage police department right now um these are people that are charged with protecting the public protecting us and instead they fail us on on a daily basis for their own survival and that's horrible. You know, uh, one of my other, unfortunately, downfalls was, aside from decertifying bad cops, although I did vote to help good cops uh, get cleared uh, during uh, attacks uh, during the Alaska Police Standards Council's meetings, and we can go into detail with that in future podcasts. But, you know, the the biggest thing is that when you're looking at uh, whether it's the Department of Public Safety or the Department of Law, the human factor, the survival factor uh, for people, that selfishness will kick in. And it's the job of leaders to remind people that when they are in these types of position of authority, it's no longer about them. It is always about the people that we serve. And uh, in uh, Dillingham in particular, where my story ends, is uh, we had a assistant district attorney that was dismissing multiple cases, just dismissing sexual assault. She was dismissing all violent crimes. And... Uh, she was refusing to prosecute them. We find out later that she was uh, uh, addicted to substances. She self-reported herself uh, during an employee conference, and unfortunately, uh, uh, she was removed uh, from uh, from that position and uh, was allowed to. Uh, I believe, retain her license and go to treatment. She just uh, was no longer an ADA. 
Now, this is interesting because uh, uh, just a side topic. I have, over the last couple of years, met some awesome people through the comic book shop and through my, my beautiful wife and a family friend, a mutual family friend. He is a convicted felon. And he was, uh, I believe, co- convicted of murder years ago, decades ago. And uh, he got out. The, um, um, the system said that he had served his time and it was time for him to get out. Now, my understanding uh, uh, with his particular uh, crime was that he confessed to it. He self-reported himself. He turned himself in. And it was an incident where uh, uh, I believe he had uh, there was drugs involved, and he I don't know if he killed his drug dealer or something else. But uh, uh, it was something that he answered to. He admitted to it. He is now out. He has been rehabilitated. He is now a positive member of the community. But yet, the system still punishes him. He's not able to carry a firearm. He's not able to uh, uh, have certain rights as a convicted felon, which I find interesting because we have, in this particular case, an ADA that committed potentially multiple felonies, self-reported herself, should have gone to jail, but because uh, uh, it is a... uh, a different system for instance lawyers she was allowed to go to treatment and if she liked she could retain her practice still have all the rights and uh, 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 privileges afforded to her um, as if she had committed no crimes had done nothing wrong and I find it interesting that we have that system in place and of course, I am uh, very opposed to something like that. I think what's fair is fair. Unfortunately, in this situation, even my attorney at the time told me, hey, listen, uh, this dismissal of this ADA uh, was in part for you reporting her misconduct. Just know that the Department of Law has a history of circling the wagons and they're going to make you pay for this. They're going to make you pay for this and they're going to uh, get people involved to make you pay for this. And sure enough, they did. How did that happen? So we file a lawsuit, whistleblower. Uh, one of the interesting things that happened was that while we were in the uh, 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 Dillingham court, uh, we noticed that... Uh, let me see here if I could bring this up here. So we noticed in the court that uh, uh, one of the um, um, employees for the court was the sister of one of the defendants. So uh, I had gotten into a pursuit with uh, uh, a, a woman named uh, Mary Tilden. Mary Tilden is a known heroin addict. She had multiple felony warrants for her arrest. The Dillingham Police Department requested my assistance. Uh, this, all of these facts were were supported not just by the Dillingham Police Department, their chief of police, uh, the community at large, that uh, understood that I needed to be a part of uh, that pursuit. But I mean. It was just the thing that we needed to hold. We needed to stop her from hurting the community. We got into a pursuit. She was driving on sidewalks. She almost ran over several citizens. She ran several uh, citizens of the Dillingham and Aliknagik area off the road. Um, we finally caught her, and um, uh, after she injured me, she struck me with her vehicle. Um, while I was outside of my vehicle, um, we, um, we, in our, in our interpretation, brought her to justice. My injuries that I sustained 
were actually uh, uh, verified by my workman's comp uh, claim that initially Barry Wilson, my commander at the time, had actually lost or, air quotes, misplaced my uh, workman's comp claim for my injuries. And uh, this happened on record during an employee conference where he actually admitted to losing my record. But uh, uh, I digress. Uh, let, let me stay focused on Dillingham real quick. Um, so the uh, Mary Tilden, heroin addict, career criminal, during the investigation, uh, Chung Chan, who is investigating the use of force in this case, even seizes cell phone footage of the inside of her vehicle that was being videotaped by her passenger. I'm going to be playing that video for you so that you guys can make your own decisions. She is videotaped talking about how she's going to ram me as soon as I get in front of her. She's talking about how she understands that she's committing a crime. She understands all that stuff. She understands that she's running from the cops. She doesn't care. The punchline for this is that the charges are dismissed against her by uh, uh, the ADA at the time. Um, the judge, who should have recused herself, and the reason she should have recused herself in all of this was because she employed uh, Tilden's sister as her clerk. Here, let me bring that up on the screen here. If you just go to the uh, white pages for Alaska.gov white pages and go to the employee directory and type Tilden, Re uh, Rebecca Tilden is the chamber's judicial assistant for uh, Tina Ray, the judge in Dillingham, the presiding judge. The reason this is uh, something where she absolutely should have accused herself is it's the sister, the known sister of the major player in, in, in this case and multiple criminal investigations uh, and cases in, in the Dillingham area. By the way, once the charges were dismissed, with exception of eluding, she was supposed to be on pr probation, stop doing heroin, follow all laws. Of course she didn't do that. She ends up traveling to Anchorage and leading the Anchorage Police Department on the same pursuit. Well, unfortunately for me, the department uh, needed to get rid of me as soon as possible because they knew that uh, uh, I was an individual that could not be corrupted, that I was going to hold people accountable. Now, in Chung Chan's uh, situation, uh, when we were in the academy, I was actually witness to uh, where we were doing use of force training. Um, essentially, they have what's called a stress drill. It's your second day at the academy. The first day at the academy, you do, uh, they're not allowed to PT you. Uh, do any physical training with you because uh, they have to medically screen you first. The workaround for that is that they have you running your bags back and forth and running up and down stairs to get your room set because they're trying to teach you about urgency. Um, it's kind of a workaround because in theory they're supposed to make sure that you're medically cleared first before they do that, but they, they, they do it anyway. They've been doing it for ages. I don't think any of that's going to stop. The very next day is the stress drill. You do your physical fitness test after they've done the med medical eval. And then they, uh, uh, the stress test is where they, they PT you to exhaustion, and then they pair you up to fight with uh, uh, another recruit. They do this because, um, unfortunately, you do have people that uh, go to the academy. They go because they've watched episodes of Cops, and they feel that... Um, they understand what the job is. However, none of them have ever been in a fight before. You have people that go to the academy that have never been punched in the face before, have never been in a physical conflict before. 
And uh, so this is their opportunity to put them in that scenario where they get hit for the first time. Unfortunately, with Chung, Chung was very aggressive individual and uh, uh, understandably because he's trying to uh, 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 get people to give 100%. Unfortunately, he did it in an irresponsible way. He had uh, uh, one recruit paired up with a female recruit. The Nothing wrong about that, okay? Because um, female uh, troopers are going to or female officers are going to be in physical fitness or in physical confrontations with males. Uh, the the uh, percentage of that, the high likelihood of that. I mean, it, it, all the statistics show that that's going to happen. So there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, Chun, who was the def- the lead defensive tactics trainer for this scenario, was responsible for the safety of everyone there, and. Uh, so he puts these two recruits together and they start hitting each other. They start fighting. The one male recruits realizes that she's not defending herself appropriately and he's going to hurt her. So he starts holding back because he knows he's going to injure her. Chun responds as if this is a Mortal Kombat episode and literally tells him, Hit her or I'm going to hit you. And then he yells, finish her. So the recruit, who's terrified, hits her as hard as he can. She's clearly not defending herself, not intelligently capable of defending herself. Gets punched straight in the face. The drill ends. She passes out, regains consciousness, goes to the bench, passes out. Loses consciousness, does not regain conscious, uh, uh, consciousness again for several days. She goes into a coma. She's uh, life flighted down to the lower 48, to Seattle, where they do emergency surgery and interventions. Uh, they realize that she has a permanent brain damage. The state settles with her through workman's comp. And uh, Chun gets, I think... Uh, uh, a letter of reprimand. That's what he gets. And that's it. He moves on. Later on during the academy, he's teaching us about uh, 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 use of force, defensive tactics, and he teaches us to be a story where he says, you know, officer presence, and he's very physically fit. Uh, he, he's very physically fit. And, uh, uh, he turns around and he explains to us that when he was uh, uh, on patrol, that uh, he had instances where people in handcuffs would make that statement of, hey, uh, if you take these handcuffs off, I beat your ass, blah, blah, blah. And he taught us during the academy, during scenarios, he said, well, the way I handled that situation is I would tell my recruit, or I would tell the subordinate trooper, the new trooper, remove the cuffs. And, of course, the person in handcuffs would be like, what? You know, you're really going to remove my cuffs? No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to actually get into a fist fight with you. And Chun would, once again, remove the cuffs. Obviously, the, the, the uh, prisoner would be scared. Because now he's looking at an armed trooper. He's venting. You know, he's saying, they say all kinds of stuff to us, okay? Uh, well, Chan, uh, uh, Chung Chan basically says, All right, then, keep your mouth shut. And I uh, actually, he swore and he says, You shut the fuck up and don't say another word. And then, He's essentially teaching us that this is the acceptable way of dealing with the public. He teaches this in the academy. He ends up becoming a, a sergeant uh, at the Palmer Post, working directly under Casanovas, and the negative mentoring begins. The I gotcha, uh, gathering intelligence on and information on other troopers so that he looks better. 
every training that he's a part of, he always finds something negative to say in public about someone to demean them so that he feels that he looks better because that's how he was trained. That is the Casanova's way of, uh, of, of uh, management. And so now fast forward, my, my, uh, uh, my use of force is being investigated by Chun. And uh, I already know, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And things turned out the way I thought they would. Uh, I presume they would uh, with uh, Chung uh, running the investigation. Chung has been promoted multiple times since. Uh, he is actually in charge of the special emergency uh, response team for the entire state. Uh, which is interesting because one of the people that he led and supervised on the team was involved in a... a in a shooting that he was the team leader for, by the way. And this individual ended up popping positive for cocaine during the shooting, the fatal shooting of an individual in the Matsu Valley. Uh, this individual, by the way, was allowed to retire with full honors and was recently arrested for a drug DUI. It's all over the, the pages. And Chun was the supervisor for that. No complaints, no criminal investigation. Uh, they just had this guy retire. In my situation, because of the fact that I had a history of holding people accountable, um, it was going to be a situation where uh, uh, this was an opportunity for him to promote an opportunity for him to uh, uh, advance on the backs of others. And uh, it is what it is, man. Uh, I do want to say that there are some fantastic troopers out there that do not embrace this mentality. But going with the lawsuit real quick, uh, I end up... Uh, in a situation where not only do they say that uh, my use of force was not authorized with uh, Mary Tilden and that the pursuit, uh, even though there was multiple agencies and multiple victims, the pursuit should not have occurred. And that I was never injured. I fight them. I prevail uh, in uh, workman's comp, workman's comp rules. In our favor, part of it was because of the uh, video that you'll see at the end of the podcast, uh, where my uh, uh, the the doctors and the the workman's comp board was able to see clearly that I was injured, and more important, but more importantly, that the person that injured me had every intention of injuring me. The unfortunate part is that Chun actually suppressed this evidence. There was no record of this evidence throughout the entire process until we, in, until we initiated a request for the uh, uh, disclosures. And when we subpoenaed the state and the Department of Admin stepped in and, ins and, and ensured through the Department of Law that everything was being disclosed appropriately and that uh, things that they initially redacted were not redacted anymore, that's when the truth started coming out. At this point, the damage had already been done. They had uh, moved to demote me to a bailiff. And the reason they did that to a court service officer was, number one, was to constructively terminate me because I had supervised the largest court service officer unit in the state. And I love those guys. I, I mean, God, they're family to me, uh, the court service officers. that uh, They do the duties that none of us want to do. And anyway, uh, their intent was to demote me to that. And the reason they were doing that was because that was the only way to for them to legally remove me from the council. Because if they removed me from the council, I was no longer a threat to them and their friends. Um, interestingly enough, uh, when you look at, uh, let's see here. Well, first off, I had requested to know why the case was dismissed against uh, Mary Tilden. 
So I make a request to the ADA, and this is when I knew that the fix was in after I was advised by my attorney, hey, this is about to go down. This is an email from uh, Donette Hayano, who was the uh, administrative uh, clerk for uh, the ADA. And uh, in this, you see where uh, she states that I called the office and I asked to know who dismissed the case. And she, uh, I could read it out loud for those of you that are uh, uh, listening to the podcast and are not watching the video. It, it was uh, an email sent on January 12, 2017. It says, Nieves called the office and said he heard that Mary Tilden was given a deal and did I know what it was? I said, no. And he asked, who would know, just Pamela or her supervisor? I said, well, Gustav Olsen is her supervisor and I am sure he knows. Then he said, well, I and the other victims were not notified and are you sure you don't know what their agreement is? I said, no, I don't. And then she capitalized on this by saying, I don't ever give out information to anyone. I always refer them to you. So no matter whether I knew or not, he wouldn't be getting any info from me. I'll let you uh, decipher what you think that all meant. I know what it meant to me. Next, we have... Now they're moving forward to uh, uh, demote me. Interestingly enough, uh, Brittany Patsky, uh, absolute corrupt person, she sends an email to the Department of Admin. Now let me explain something real quick. The way it works uh, in state government, you have the governor, who is the political face of the state. He's the political leader appointed by the people to lead the state. You have the lieutenant governor. Historically, they're in charge of the notary and in charge of uh, verifying elections. That's it. And in the event that the, uh, that the governor uh, should be, become incapacitated or no longer fit to serve, the Lieutenant Governor assumes the duties of Governor until another election is held. The person that runs all of the departments in the state of Alaska is typically the Chief of Staff for the Governor. The Chief of Staff is typically the behind-the-scenes most powerful person in state government. That person then has all these commissioners under them that are in charge. Commissioners are the ones ultimately in charge of their departments. They are the department heads. Your department of admin, department of law, department of, uh, uh, of transportation, uh, department of commerce, all of these departments, department of, of corrections, they all have their commissioners. The department of administration is one of these commissioners. On paper, they are all equal, but in theory... And what we actually see happening is the Department of Admin Commissioner is slightly above all of the other departments, in particular when it comes to HR-related topics because they are the HR experts, subject experts on HR. That is the Department of Admin. They're the ones that enforce create the administrative rules that the other departments are supposed to live by. So, Brittany Patsky, who is the HR supervisor for the Department of Public Safety, she knows that she needs she needs to follow the orders of the colonel at the time, which is Hans Brinke, and uh, the commander at the time, which is uh, Barry Wilson, who ends up becoming colonel. Both of these guys, by the way, ended up uh, being terminated from their employment. One was literally terminated by Walt uh, Monaghan, uh, the commissioner, which was Hans Brinke. He was actually terminated as colonel. The other one uh, was essentially forced to retire due to a vote of no confidence by a uh, uh, as a result of an employee uh, uh, survey that was done at the department that showed that he had no business leading and that he had actually ruined the department and the morale of the department. But Brittany Patsky, who uh, was essentially the executioner for the department, which is interesting because that, that 
that position prior to her was held by Sher- uh, Sherry Cariente, who was an attorney. Matter of fact, all of the prior people that held that position uh, that Brittany now held were attorneys. And Brittany, never an attorney, uh, she's essentially an admin on steroids that went up the ranks. Uh, she now approaches this uh, Nicole Lynch from the Department of Admin and says, look, we're, we'd like to discipline this guy and get rid of him, uh, demote him or get rid of him, whatever works best. Uh, he's a problem for us, even though there's no documentation prior to this. As a matter of fact, my last eval showed that I was actually a stellar performer, believe it or not. And I have that last eval signed by my commander and my deputy commander and approved by the director and the commissioner's office. But I digress. I love that when it comes to disciplinary cases, to bad things, she always puts her little smiley face at the end of her at the end of her questions, which I thought was pretty was pretty cute on her part, but also shows internally what type of person she is. So, uh, and the reason that her and I had beef is because she would try to get people in on waivers to become Alaska State Troopers and Alaska Wildlife Troopers and Alaska Fire Marshals. And I was always opposed to lowering any of the standards because the moment you start modifying and lowering and uh, standards for employment, that's when you end up with problem children and that's when you end up with the issues that the department currently faces where they have these difficult employees that they're trying to get rid of and so on and so forth. And she did not like the fact that I had no problem going to the commissioner or uh, to the colonels and stating my case and stating how she was wrong. And 99% of the time, I always won. And I think that drove her absolutely bananas, and she was always looking for payback on that. So uh, I'll give you one example. She wanted in, in writing to allow deputy fire marshals in particular one fire marshal that her husband was friends with, to be able to do the test in, in lieu of running the mile and a half like everyone else had to, she wanted him to be able to ride a bicycle. And of course I opposed it. I was like, that's crazy. No, he's not going to be issued a bicycle to pursue suspects. That's not how that works. So, no, we don't even have a bike patrol in the, in the state of Alaska. Why, why would we even bring that up? And she was pissed that I fought her on it, and I prevailed. She lost that battle 100%. There was nothing she could do about it. And I know for a fact that she was like, bitch, I'm going to get your ass for this. All right. So here she is. She's trying to uh, uh, get the Department of Admin on board uh, with uh, uh, some discipline that includes demotions and ultimate termination. Interestingly enough... The this particular uh, 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 DOA employment uh, employee disagrees with it. She says, "I don't think the motion is in line with comparators." So what that means is previous cases that are similar to this. Uh, I'm looking at ours, but if you have some that support the motion, please let me know. And then you want to transfer him to an urban area? How aren't transfers supposed to be non-disciplinary and voluntary? And then she says, how does the motion address the department's concerns? He can still make poor decisions as a trooper. His actions were not related to him being a supervisor, were they? She's clearly trying to figure out, what are you guys trying to do? Subsequent emails, they double down. They're like, look, we got to get this dude out. You know, he, uh, he's a problem for us. And uh, for those of you that know me, have engaged with me personally, for those of you listening to this, that I've gone on calls with you before, that I have advocated for you as a supervisor, or I have fought side by side with you in combat, or you just met with me at my comic book shop or as a realtor, you know who I am. You know I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You get what you get with me. I'll let you decide. But this is what ends up happening. So, ultimately, um, you know, they, they, uh, they get me out of the department. Uh, we end up uh, 
my attorney and I, we end up resigning uh, under constructive uh, resignation because essentially they were putting me in a situation where they were going to run me out anyway. And so I leave and I decide, you know what? You guys screwed me on this workman's comp thing. You're hurting other troopers. You're hurting the community. You're refusing, refusing to protect the people of Alaska. I know for a fact, for a fact, that when I was the sergeant at Dillingham, when I was the, the, a trooper in Kotzebue, uh, stationed throughout the state, that budget always came before lives. The budget always came before lives. We had an individual that we presumed had been murdered, a pilot who was well-known in the Dillingham area. I had to argue and beg to be able to send more than one trooper to that call. And then I had to expedite the investigation because I was told by my supervisors that we did not have the money to do an excess uh, of hold time for a chartered aircraft, that we needed to get the investigation done and get those people out of there as fast as we could. Uh, we determined it was a suicide but it left so many questions on the mind of the family of this individual that uh, uh, to this day, they're still upset. They still want to know what the truth is. And unfortunately, we can't give them that because uh, we weren't allowed to, to do what we needed to do, which was provide the services necessary to protect people. Um, something that you need to know about, too, for those of you that are in uniform right now, uh, one of the things, in particular the troopers, but one of the things that they do at Department of Admin uh, when they see something, you know, like what was uh, proposed by uh, uh, Miss Patsky, and, and I use that term lightly, there's no miss about her, and... Uh, by Brinke and Wilson and uh, uh, one of their counterparts at the Department of Law, which is interesting because the Department of Law cleared me of all wrongdoing. But anyway, um, there was other, they, they, they'll look at other cases. So let me make sure that this is, yeah. So one of the things they'll do is they will actually bring up other cases and they'll say, hey, you know, Oh, here it is. Um, in this one here, they talk about, let me see here, it says, ah, thank you, this is a doozy. It is interesting to me how we lost the level of discipline on the one case, reduced from two day to a one day, but one on the dismissal. I think it just goes to show that you never know what an arbitrator is going to do, so you just have to make the best judgment calls you can for the employer. And this is from Nicole. And uh, she's basically telling her, hey, look, you know, arbitrators, we don't know who they're going to side with. Well, you don't know who they're going to side with. That's where they're arbitrated. They don't work for you. you know, they work for, they're supposed to be an unbiased person that is going to rule with what is a legal ruling, not with what you want. And uh, uh, I found that interesting that they're having this conversation, but yet, uh, with the smiley faces, but yet uh, no one is seeing the warning signs. Hey, by the way, this dude is not scared of any of you. And let me... Uh, let me add, you know, a lot of people are like, Lou, man, why are you putting this stuff out right now, man? What, what's going on? Let me explain something. This situation broke me, broke my family, brought me to the brink of suicide. When you have spent your entire adult life protecting others, and then you're betrayed by those next to you, it is heartbreaking and it does something to your psyche. When you hear the term friendly fire, please know that there's no such thing as friendly fire. There's nothing friendly about it. 
So when you're being shot in the back by an administration that otherwise is supposed to be advocating for you so that you can be a better advocate for the public, it is discouraging. It sends a message out to the rank and file that they're going to lose too if they bring people uh, on, the, on the floor to, for accountability. Last week, when I received notice that uh, the uh, judge in uh, the uh, Tilden case, who employs Tilden's sister, ruled against us, I couldn't help but think, here I am a victim again, a victim of a crime and a victim of a corrupt system. For those of you that need context for how bad this is and why the judge should recuse herself, Rebecca Tilden, in this case, the biological sister of Mary Tilden, works directly for the judge. There is only one judge, there's no magistrate, at least that I'm aware of, in Dillingham. So every search warrant, every criminal complaint that goes through that courthouse must go through Rebecca. And of course, Rebecca is going to discuss it with her sister. So her sister, who is still in the criminal system and still on the ground committing crimes, you can take a look on court view for yourself with all of the crimes that she continues to commit, even though she's on probation, has intimate knowledge of every investigation, everything every search warrant, every case that is active against any of her associates or her, she knows about it. Tina Ray should either dismiss Rebecca from having access to that information or she should recuse herself from those types of cases. But she chose not to. And uh, there needs to be some accountability for that. So, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I educating people on what happened and the importance of fighting against corruption and never, ever, ever allowing yourself to spiral into self-destruction or to remaining a victim? It's because we have people that count on us. If you're if you're considering suicide or you're considering giving up or you're considering uh, not fighting the good fight, please remember, guys, that there is somebody right now who is counting on you to be stronger. I realize that my kids, I realize that my wife, I realize that my community, both my comic community, the real estate community, and my neighbors are counting on me to be stronger. So, last week I woke up a victim. Today I woke up chosen violence. And I'm not talking about beating your ass. I'm talking about holding you accountable. So, the Chung Chans, the Hans Brinkies, the Barry Wilsons, hey man, the Brittany Patskys, you're going to be held accountable. If not by the court, by the court of public opinion, you're going to be held accountable. So with that being said, we have more episodes coming out. I'll be discussing some funny stories from being on the job. I'll be discussing some, uh, uh, some sad ones, some more corruption that was brought to light. You know, you, you'd be shocked as to how many... Well, let, let me uh, leave you with this fact. And this is from me being a uh, on the council. And by the way, thank you guys for the shirt, my Alaska Police Standards Council shirt that I earned. Um, did you know that it is illegal, it is a felony for a correction officer to have sex with an inmate because they're in a position of authority and the case law outlines that that person 
does not have the authority to say no. So since that correction officer has this authority over this person for the entire period that that person's in custody of the state, the correction officer with absolute power, which can corrupt absolutely, is obligated not to harm that inmate, but quite the contrary, protect them. So when they have sex with them, that is a form of sexual assault. It is a felony. I can name a dozen correction officers whose cases came before me while I was on the Alaska Police Standards Council. Not a single one of them, not a single one of them has been charged with a crime. They were allowed to retire or they were allowed to walk away with no consequences. I want you to think about that. And I want you to understand why I made the enemies that I made. And I'll explain in next episode how people like Barry Wilson and Hans Bricky are even capable of promoting to the ranks that they're able to in the department and what I think the department can do to prevent that. So... For those of you that are watching the video version of this, which is only available on Spotify for the video version, uh, you're going to see the pursuit from the eyes of Mary Tilden and her passenger. This was evidence that was suppressed and was never revealed by Chung Chan. Luckily, we had some honest people in the state that provided this for us through discovery, legal discovery, that ultimately vindicated me and vindicated me in, uh, 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 in the eyes of Workman's Comp. And I hope that it vindicates me in your eyes as well. Um, if you're looking for someone to help you fight, if you're looking for someone to help you tell your story, contact us. If you want to support this, this mission, if you want to support uh, getting the truth out. Don't forget, you can always support us by going to AegisComicsAlaska.com, AegisComicsAlaska.com. We've got a bunch of gear there available. I'll have uh, the links to our shirts and logos and everything else in the description. You can also join our Patreon. The Patreon link is on the website as well. And uh, we appreciate you. If you enjoyed this content, please comment. Share this with your friends and family. Um, I promise you that we're not going to be silenced. And we'll even talk about a, a certain corrupt person that's running for office. And we'll talk about some facts about that as well. Because people need to be educated on what the hell is going on in their state. But uh, here goes the video. And I'll see you next time.
just listened to the Aegis Comics of Alaska's podcast. Don't forget, new episodes drop every week. For more info about Alaska's comic book shop, visit www.aegiscomicsalaska.com.